Football is back and so is the Ringer NFL show. Coming at you five days a week with wall-to-wall coverage from recapping the Sunday games, giving a player perspective, deep dives, and previewing the coming slate. Check out the Ringer NFL show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car, Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes has arrived in IMAX. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast and Ring RSC. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm right, thanks man. How are you? Very well, indeed, indeed. Got to see your wonderful face yesterday. Oh my gosh. In person. My sympathies. Not behind the computer screen. <laughs> we went for a coffee with Jonathan Liu. Did indeed, yeah. The master of nuance. Indeed. 100% pure nuance. He was on good form as well. Very good form, yeah. The great man. Yeah, man. He always seems to have grown another couple of inches each time I see him. Jonathan Liu has magnificent hair, by the way. He does. He does best hair in the game. Not that I. He's going to be listening to this, so let's embarrass him. Yeah, yeah. What a great man. What a great writer. Oh, great! One of the great human. Yeah, one of the best. Uh, Do you know what it is today? Ah, what is it? It's the hundred fiftieth episode of Stadio on the Ringer. A hundred and fifty. Hundred fifty Stadios on the Ringer. A lot of talking and even more editing. Yeah, I know, but it's not really that much if you think about it. I suppose so. Well, thanks. Thanks to everyone. for listening. Yeah, thanks. I really appreciate it. All right, let's do some admin super quick. So we hope yeah. everyone's staying safe and well, getting vaccinated if you can, getting that booster if you can. Uh, Stadio newsletter went out on Wednesday, first one of the year. Thanks to everyone who signed up. You can sign up by going to stadio.football, scroll to the bottom, pop in your email address. You'll get a confirmation email. Check your spam folder. You get a newsletter every Wednesday from us. Some bits and bobs. Wright's House went up on Wednesday morning. You were on Wright's House with Moa, and honestly, man, I think it was one of the best Wright's House episodes there's been. A very wide-ranging, flowing talk that went through family and grief and DiMaggio's debut. It's obviously his grandson, yeah. Wright's grandson. Um, the FA Cup, AFCON, flowers for, for Jeanette. Doing great things. It was just a lovely episode, man. Well yeah. done. You, you all did really well, I think. No, thanks so much. It was a yeah, real pleasure. On that note, someone tweeted at us 
Charlie Wills, who said, kind of upset you didn't mention Borum Wood beating Wimbledon in the FA Cup. Disclaimer, they did, Charlie. Yeah, they did a big thing on it, actually. They actually yeah, yeah. did. They did a minute or so wrapped up in the draw. There was a slight problem with the draw audio, which meant that it, the draw audio had to come out, which then made it kind of sound like, oh, Borum Wood, boom, out again. So we had to chop it for flow of the podcast. But so let's do it now because Boreham Wood was one of the main stories from the FA Cup, I think, in terms of the, the really, really impressive results. National League beating Wimbledon, AFC Wimbledon. And they're through, they've got a draw against Bournemouth, right? With a clean they've sheet too, yeah. Yeah, beat Wimbledon with a clean so, sheet. So just to put it down, there was chat. And this, and actually, let's let people behind the curtain. Sometimes this does happen on Stadio and on Wright's house where stuff gets bigged up. But maybe it has to come out because of timing or flow or sometimes because we all record remotely it can happen where sometimes someone's connection is a little bit sketchy you get a load of digital this is a technical time you get a load of digital artifacts on the audio oh god and thus it must be removed for quality control so anyway charlie just so you know there was some love for boring wood there was plenty actually yeah we even speculated about how big the um the receipts might be the gate receipts might be yeah so yeah yeah yeah, so apologies that didn't make it in, but uh, that was just a, an audio issue. Any other admin? No, that's it for now. All right, then. So today we're going to quickly wrap up a few games that we caught this week and then we're going to do a proper mailbag. So let's get into it after this. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Should we quickly start with El Clasico? Real Madrid 3, Barcelona 2, after extra time. Uh, in the semi-final of the Spanish Supercopa, which is kind of one of the reasons why I don't want to spend too much time on this because I really, really, really don't like the expanded Supercopa in Spain. No, I don't like it either. For those who are unaware, a couple of years ago, they started to expand it into four teams. So finalists of the Copa del Rey and the top two in the league. It's just so that they can try and get more Clasicos in, I think. It's a pointless tournament. Uh, having said that, last night's game, I think, was quite interesting in terms of Barcelona's direction of travel. It's a game that I wouldn't have really wanted to cover anyway, but it was actually probably the best Clasico for a while. Yeah, it was. Uh, and all the sort of main characters showed up really quite impressively. Yeah. So, yeah, shout out to Real Madrid for that win, but also to Ansu Fati, who returned and scored. Um, shout out to header. and should have scored a bicycle kick actually um, yeah. shout out to Pedri who came on and immediately just ran the show like within three minutes of, of arriving it was like oh my goodness Pedri's in the house really interesting that how yeah. with the emergence of Gavi this season and Pedri's absence people have I don't think people have forgotten how good Pedri is but I think people have forgotten how good Pedri is does that make sense they've forgotten how good Pedri is they have they have I think I think not 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 Barcelona watches obviously but Pedri is extraordinary. Gavi was just an astonishing bonus. The fact that they have, and I'll say it a thousand times in this podcast, the fact that they have Pedri, Gavi and Ansu Fati is frankly astonishing because any one of those players, any one of those players, you could build a team around. 
but all three. Mm-hmm. And the way they combine, like they complement each other. Um, this was a superb game. Uh, we won't say too much on it because the highlights are on YouTube. Uh, but I did have the privilege of watching this the whole way through and watching it develop as it did. And like I say, everyone showed up. The Vinicius Benzema combination is a gem. I think they've got 30 so between them this season. Um, so good. Which is remarkable. You've got Valverde with the late winner. If you look at the dummy, uh, the dummy for the goal as well by Valverde, it's just a little joy as well. Elements of Rivaldo, World Cup 2002. There's someone, some, we had a question about that. Oh, right. Oh, uh, Dirk for three. Great Twitter handle. I've long been fascinated by Rivaldo's dummy in the World Cup final when he leaves it for Ronaldo. To me, it's the most interesting skill to see on a football pitch, like watching the toughest guy in the room walk away from a fight because he has nothing to prove. Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Very unselfish in the right setting. You know who is an absolute master of the dummy, actually? It's one that's not often seen in the edge of the box. It was. Xavi and Paul Scholes were absolute masters and Fabregas to it, letting the ball run, but letting the ball run across them specifically over long distances. So when you'd hammer the ball, often you see it with goalkeepers, actually goalkeepers hammering the ball out and Scholes mm. and Xavi would just let it run across them and would change the entire flow of the play. Actually, to be honest, Pedri too. Pedri's another one that's great mm. at that. Um, the reason I love to mention the Rivaldo dummy is because I personally believe that Rivaldo is the player of the 2002 World Cup. And every single intervention he made in that tournament was decisive. And it was so fitting that he should make that dummy for the kind of decisive goal, I thought. Because he also hit the strike that Oliver Kahn parried for Ronaldo's first. So if you look at that mm-hmm. entire tournament, at each major moment, even in the semi-final against Turkey, I think when Ronaldo scores for the 1-0, I think Rivaldo has like two or three shots on target that test Rustu before that even comes in. So it's like, he was priming the Brazil attack in each case. So I just love that he gets the dummy because like in that tournament, it's like he was the strongest. Mm. He was the strongest guy walking away from the ball or the fight. So yeah, lovely question. Thank you. But yeah, so Real Madrid through to the final of the Spanish Supercopa in Saudi Arabia. Uh, we're recording this ahead of Athletic Club against Atleti Thursday night. Mm. Yeah, I just, I, I, yeah, I don't like the, I don't like the expanded Supercopa. I just, no, I don't like it at I all. Don't, I don't like Not it. Fine. Staying with Spanish football, it was a full round of the Women's Primera this week. Uh, big wins for Atleti and Barcelona. Quick question to you, Mr. Conga. Yep, Off the yep. top of your head, no Googling. 17 games played in the Primera. 98. What was the question? How many goals have they scored? Actually, no. The, goal, <laughs> the question was... What was the goal diff? What is their goal difference? What is Barcelona's goal difference? 95. Ooh, so close. 94. <laughs> not bad, not bad. <laughs> I'll take that. Uh, do you know what? I, I hate how close he got to that. <laughs> I, mean, I, I can't even say we got him. <laughs> Very impressive, Musa Konga. Very impressive. Uh, let's, let's go to England, where. Chelsea beat Spurs 1-0 to go through to the Carabao Cup final. 3-0 on aggregate. Do you know what I want to do here? I want to praise Andre Mariner's use of VAR. (laughs) Because, honestly, after the discussions that we've had over the last few weeks, a couple of months, maybe however long, this was an absolutely perfect demonstration of how to use VAR. Right. Three really contentious decisions. Andre Mariner made the wrong call twice. 
consulted the monitor, looked at it properly, came to the right decision. No one is complaining about the use of VAR. And the third one was the offside for Harry Kane, which was correct, but obviously that's not his his call. Perfect. I mean, that's a human that's all being you want. making all you an want, error, yeah. using the technology to correct the error, which is why it was brought in in the first place. Everyone's happy. If you're going to have VAR, this is how you use it. Yeah. No, that's right. That's right. That's absolutely right. And I think so, you yeah, saw- I just wanted to flag that because refs no, get no. a load of shit about not using it properly. And I thought, actually, I like here we that. go. We have. We have to kind of highlight it because we are going to talk about a referee in a little bit. We are. Musa Kwonga was a referee. <laughs> main character energy. He, he might have the similar main character <laughs> energy. <laughs> Thomas Tuchel has uh, progressed to every single final in every single cup competition since he since taken over as Chelsea manager, which is rather impressive. <clears throat> and Arsenal against Liverpool is. Uh, Thursday night, the first leg, obviously, because the the that was postponed. West Ham beating Norwich in the Premier League and Southampton with a really good win over Brentford on Tuesday night. That's a really impressive win, four one against Brentford. Strange lack of intensity, yeah. What's going on? I mean, it, actually, no. I should give credit to Southampton first and foremost because that's a just a really impressive result. It's the first time that Brentford maybe have really been handled like that. Mm. I mean, Southampton are up to eleventh now, so. New takeover. Good times for them. Yeah, I'm really pleased from Russia. I'm just glad they've got a bit of breathing room over the bottom three. But the biggest game this week was Iceland against Okwonga's beloved Uganda in a friendly. <laughs> Even I didn't catch this. <laughs> a one-all draw in a friendly between Iceland and Uganda. I can't believe Musa didn't even watch his, his, his beloved Uganda. Listen. <laughs> Let's talk about the Italian Super Cup. Yes. That feels that feels quite significant, I think. Into winning it at the in the last minute of extra time, pretty much the last kick of the game from Alexis Sanchez. Alexis yeah. Sanchez assisted in inverted commas from Matteo Damian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alexandra kind of tried to chest the ball to Chiellini, I think. Damian oh, kind of nightmare. nipped in on the nightmare. volley. Almost like he didn't Chiellini see he cleaned didn't see him out. And then Sanchez put it home after uh it was a, I thought this was quite a good game. Yeah. It was a fun game. Because Juve showing signs of life as well. So Inter really wanting to kind of check that charge. I mean, Juve are too far back to threaten Inter, but in terms of Inter's momentum, it felt important. And you can always yeah. tell from the celebrations, you know, it's not like you know, when PSG won the League Cup and it was like, they don't Yay. seem to be enjoying this. Yeah, they're not really <laughs> enjoying this. You contrast, you know, on a scale of PSG celebrating a trophy to Atleti celebrating that league where I was actually almost terrified because of the intensity of the celebration. This was, many, this was pretty much up there. This meant a lot to Inter. Inter put together a really strong bit of form. It's the old cliche about how a, a team really sometimes needs a trophy to bond. And I think with Simone Inzaghi coming in and Conte going out in the summer, and actually in many respects, like a lot of new pieces coming into that Inter team, this is very much Simone Inzaghi's team now. And this kind of yeah. solidifies that, cements that. Great win yeah. for them. Um, quick shout for Weston McKenna, who got the opener with a header and has actually been playing pretty well for Juve after a, a tricky patch of form and he obviously had some disciplinary issues as well. Um, so good to see him hitting some form. Very much so, yeah. Um, Lotaro Martinez got the equaliser with a penalty and then came off for Alexis Sanchez, who, like we said, got the winner in stoppage time and in the end of extra time and got booked for taking his shirt off. Quick question. How old is Matteo Damian? 29. Teo Damian 
is an absolutely perfect example of Walcott's law. <laughs> He's 32. 32. My goodness. I, why did I think he was younger than he was? Because he's been around for ages. But he's the kind of player that's been around for ages who seems like he's always younger. So, for example, yeah. I, I thought Sam that... United are 26. See, I thought, I thought, see, I thought that Asensio was 28. He's actually 26. I thought Asensio was 28. Because Asensio is someone who's simultaneously been around for ages, but also still young. And Damian feels that mm. to me as well. Does that make sense? Paolo Dybala will always be 22 to me, but he's actually 28. Like, I can't tell you how old Belotti is. I can't tell you how old Belotti is. that's a good shout. Exactly. Ex there are some players where they're simultaneously like prospects and also like no longer prospects. That's it. That's the walk. That is that for those who Walcott's don't know about yeah, Walcott's yeah. law, it was something that we started very early in Stadio, pre-ringer, where a player is a prospect, prospect, a prospect, a prospect, and all of a sudden they're 30. Right. That's absolutely, Walcott's yeah, law. yeah. Yeah, Walcott's law. Adanian is like classic example. Yeah, of someone he's who's actually 41. <laughs> Uh, any other games you want to shout out or should we get into the mailbag and we can touch on some AFCON stuff there? Let's get into the mailbag. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube. Car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. All right, man, let's talk about, let's just, let's just do it, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alex Brotherton, shouts to Alex Brotherton. The referee in Tunisia versus Mali, has he invented existential refereeing? So for those who missed this game, probably the biggest shame about this game was that the referee drama overshadowed what I thought was actually a really good game of football. Yes, yes. Very entertaining game of football and quite an important game for that group, actually. So Tunisia, nil, Mali won. Mali took the lead thanks to Ibrahim Okone penalty just after halftime for handball. And Tunisia also got a penalty with a handball on, it was on Gineppo, wasn't it? And uh, Wabi Kazri had his penalty saved. A bit high, that penalty, but still a great save. Yeah, saved by Moncuro, who... Um, I thought it was brilliant, actually, in the whole game. The thing I love about this Mali team is that they've kind of been tipped a little bit for Dark Horse as, as, as the Dark Horse. And they're actually a really, really good football side. So that midfield pairing of Amadou Hadara and Diadi Samaseku obviously is a legit midfield pairing. Two good Bundesliga right. players. And to show how good they are, you know, East Basuma was on the bench. Right. 
So yeah, basically, this isn't a this isn't a Mickey Mouse team at all. And to be honest, I don't really think Tunisia are either. Well, let's be real. Actually, let's talk about goal margins. In this entire tournament, this entire tournament, we haven't yet seen a winning margin of more than a single goal. Yeah. And a lot of the winning margins have been penalties alone. It's defensive systems. It's the level of sophistication in defense. I compared it to World Cup with some Italian 90. Do you remember how like all of a sudden, like, and don't forget, like, just a couple of years for Italian 90, countries with like huge populations in Europe were getting blown away. Like only a few years for Italian 90, like teams like Turkey being beat, beaten 8-0 in World Cup qualifiers. And then you get to Italian 90 and all of a sudden people are shutting up shop. Yeah, I mean, you look at Sebastian yeah. Halle for for a prime example. Yeah. This is a guy who's broken Champions League records for goal scoring and he doesn't even register a shot against Equatorial Guinea. Because the gaps just close. They're defending waves. You know, actually, the way they're defending, the way that Equatorial Guinea were defending actually reminded me of, I mean, <laughs> apologies to people that don't watch any rugby at all on this podcast, but the drift defence, the way that the defence mm-hmm. is staggered. So when you're attacking it, you're not attacking it as a flat thing. You're attacking it in in lines that like you've got to cut through successive lines to get to the goal. And Halle was being swarmed and his space was being closed off in quite a sophisticated way. And he actually, funnily enough, encountered some of the problems he encountered at West Ham, weirdly enough, in terms mm. of the isolation that he was feeling up front. Um, but this is something that Mo Salah saw as well. This is cutting across, across games and groups. Can I cut so, into really quickly? Because yeah, we did have sure. a question from Coco Shanto who said, why has AFCON been so low scoring so far? So I just wanted to throw that in there because we started to talk about it. But I think it's a combination of factors. I think, um, okay, the, the three, things, three things I've noticed. There is a sophistication of defensive systems, absolutely. Um, there is some of the decision-making, as Carl Anker's pointed out, in the final third has not been optimal. And I think that, but then again, that's something, there's a related point there because I think there's a failure or um, their desire not to overcommit. These are all the first mm. matches, right? So overcommitting an attack, when you know that they're, when you're a big team, if, well, say big team, a team that's fancy to win the tournament and you overcommit an attack, you know you're opening yourself to the counter because a lot of these teams defending really, really well, deep and narrow, are banking on the counter. So I've only seen, as a few very good counters, I think Gabon got a great one for their goal. Um, but with the, there haven't been that many good teams on the break. So I think that compression you're seeing as a result of that. And this is the thing, like, you know, big tournaments, how often we said, Ryan, like, don't lose the first game. You lose the yeah. first game, you're in so much trouble. I think this is it. I think because there are so, I think a lot of the teams are quite finely balanced throughout, yeah. the, throughout the, the, um, the whole, across the whole tournament. And I think that because there are only, what, four, four places for third place, Right. So the, that means that the slightest margins, it could go down to single goals. I think there's an element of conservatism slightly, but I, th- but I also, I don't think it's been that conservative. I think the games have been super fun so far. Right. Yeah. Um, so I just think that, yeah, I think people are a little bit wary this stage because like you say, losing that first game could be, you could be out before you know it. Well, the thing is, you look at Algeria, for example, they're a good example. Algeria, um, following a superb performance by Kamara in goal for Sierra Leone, they drew their first match against Sierra Leone, right? And now, mm-hmm. that group Algeria have got, Ivory Coast, Sierra Leone, Equatorial Guinea, that's not, that's not an easy group to navigate, actually. That's mm-hmm. not a pleasant group for, you know, Algeria, like, as the, obviously, as the holders of this, of this trophy, you're coming out of that being like, ah, 
and the way that Sierra Leone celebrated was really striking, I thought. Mm. They knew what they pulled off. They were like, that was not necessarily a point they were expecting to come away with. Well, so not expecting. They're very much hoping, I'm sure, and maybe thought they could pull something off or achieve something. But there have already been in the course of this tournament some really impressive tactical displays, even in defeat, actually, right? Like even some of these teams that have lost by a single goal, you've looked at that and gone, ah, like you've got the chops to go further in this tournament. Um, yeah, really finely balanced stuff, actually. So I'd, I'd encourage anyone who hasn't had a chance to check out a game, get on it. And something that was noted in the WhatsApp group the other day in terms of the depth of these, the depth of these um, teams, widely remarked in the WhatsApp group how Wilfried Zaha started on the bench for Ivory Coast. Mm. As some I thought that was strange, but that, that's the role that Mats Gradell plays. Mats Gradell being one of the coolest names. I mean, Mats Gradell is basically the African version of Jason Statham in terms of a coolness of name. <laughs> Such an action hero name. Is Jason Statham that cool? Yeah, it's very cool. It is very cool. Really? Yeah, I think it's cool. Jason Statham, that's pretty damn cool. Anyway, let's talk about the refereeing. What the hell happened, Musa? We've seen refs blow up early. Someone actually pointed this out. Um, this has happened a few months ago, actually, in a, in a game. Was it in Serie A? Somewhere in Europe? Mm. Refs blowing up early. I don't know. There's, there's, there, was, there were conflicting reports about why he had done that. And Tunisia weren't happy about it. I think we were actually in a press conference by the time, there was a press conference taking place by the time they decided to replay it, which is pretty wild. And it was, then the reason why, of course, it's so contentious is that the game was, if it had been four or five nil, it might have been okay, right? But it was, you know, it's one nil. And there was a lot that was contested in this match. Extremely close, first game of a tournament. So really not the ideal time to be, to be blowing up in advance at mm. full time. And I'll be honest, I'll be like 99% of people watching this game who were like, I don't know what's going on there. I don't know what's going on. You can tell I was a neutral because when he blew up at 85 minutes or whatever it was, I legitimately like started to properly laugh. I like, what, the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Like, and then just the way, the calmness at with, but all the, do you know what, right? It, when the camera was panned out for the wide shot, it was very much like watching a FIFA 95 referee run around. <laughs> just everything was quite erratic. <laughs> quite erratic. Like even going, when he did the VAR check and he ran past the monitor and then had to double back, it was like, do you know what's so funny about you mentioning It was like he was on a grid. It was really strange. Do you know what's so funny about you mentioning that very quickly? When I watched the Italian Super Cup and Natale Martinez scored his penalty, he celebrated, like he looked, his, his body movements were as jerky as a computer animation. I'm like, so maybe we're in a simulation this week, I don't know. But back to the refereeing, there was talk about him being affected by the sun or something. I don't know if you saw that. Did you see that? No. There com- yeah, there, were, there was a conversation about being affected by sunstroke. I think um, Tommy over at Deutsche Welle mentioned this. Let me just quickly bring it up. It was a quite interesting point that he brought up. Okay. Yes. So Essam Abdel Fattah, the head of the AFCON referees, has revealed that Jani Sikazwe suffered from sunstroke during the Tunisia-Mali game, which caused him to lose his concentration yesterday. That's uh, been flagged up or shared by Tommy Oladipo, uh, a news anchor at Deutsche Welle News. Wow. That's interesting. Um, now, as Tommy points out, they could have replaced the referee with another official. 
Um, and it could have been like, this is the thing about, I haven't mentioned before the conditions, right? So there is, there are a couple of issues. There is variable pitch quality. Um, yeah. There is variable pitch quality. So the ball is holding up and skipping on, on some of the surfaces and isn't in relation to others, which makes defending easier, makes obviously complex attacking systems harder to execute. No question about that. And that has been a bit of a leveler. The other leveler is the weather, right? Now in the evening, mm -hmm. obviously a bit more straightforward. You've got like early twenties, bit of humidity, but still fine. But this was a daytime game. And some of the daytime games I've got to say, I've been wondering how the intensity of the game has been affected by the heat and the humidity. Um, mm -hmm and the water breaks and so on. So that's the thing that's come out, which maybe puts some of this in context. I don't know, but it's an interesting detail. We'll see what comes of it. We'll see whether a, a kind of official report is filed on this in the next, in the next day. I mean, yeah. I mean, if that is, if that is the case and there was literally a health issue there, then that is quite wild because I mean, what was it? 31 degrees, did you say? I think it was. I don't know did how hot it was. I didn't, no, say, I I didn't it, say it was about was... 31 degrees, but it was, it was midday sun kind of thing. It was like what? 1 PM kickoff local time. I think 2 PM. Absolutely. So it was very, well. very hot Yeah, and very exposed. And, um, I mean, it's such a glaring error that something like that wouldn't surprise me. Mm. I think there might be a potential for this, this game to be replayed. Although That'd the only thing wild. that makes me think it might not happen is because Tunisia didn't come back out. So they tried to replay the rest of the game, but the Tunisian players were already in ice baths. So they, they did, have, you remember when, um, is it Mar uh, Nice Marseille? Yes. Got stopped because Paye got hit with that bottle and yeah. then they came out and re they started it and there was no one there and then they just, because Marseille didn't come back out and then they just blew up for full time. It was basically that, but for a different reason. So I think the only thing that might, if it gets like tricky with legal stuff, because Tunisia didn't return to the field of play, they might use that as a thing to say, well, you can't replay the game. I mean, I've got but, sympathy. I've got, th I've got sympathy for Tunisia, but look, no matter how frustrated you are, it always makes sense just to sort of do that admin for coming back out again. It just saves you trouble down the line. Yeah. Yeah. Should we do some transfer stuff? Let's do it. Because this is fun. Okay. I'm going to start off with Christopher Sibbins. One transfer you'd like to see in January, please. Let's do one each. That was going to be really, really boring. I did see the link between Dennis Zakaria and Manchester United. Again? And I, want, and I want to see it again. Yeah, yeah, again. But now it's getting, pinning up a lot of steam. Um, I would like to see that in January rather than, sooner rather than later, because I'd like to see him. Like, it's very, very difficult to play those two in midfield. But if anyone's got the mobility, there's very few players in world football who've got the mobility to help that work. But I think Dennis Zakaria is one of the people that could actually make that work. So Leave I'd like to see that. Leave I'd the like Bundesliga boys alone. You just asked what I'd like to see. I'd love to see that. Yeah, I'd well, that. I'm editing that out. Okay, then Jude Bellingham to Manchester United. There you go. Okay, I'm editing that out as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's very nice transfers if you're a Manchester United fan. I'm going for an Arsenal one. It's Frankie de Jong to Arsenal because I made a bit of a joke about this quite a while ago, mm. thinking it was a pipe dream. I think he's gettable now. I don't think it's going to happen from Barcelona. I think Barcelona have managed that transition from Busquets all wrong. They've got it all wrong. It's really sad. They've got it all wrong. You don't think it's going to happen for Frankie at Barcelona? No, I don't. I think they've got it all wrong, the transition. It really worries me because I know why they signed him. He's absolutely amazing. Brilliant deep line player, but he's a, the way that he plays defence midfield 
it's such a different configuration the way that Busquets plays it. Busquets is about, it's a strange combination of like deliberation, but also one touch. Actually, it's, it's funny because Busquets seems more deliberate than, but actually he moves the ball on maybe slightly quicker than De Jong, but De Jong builds it differently, right? It's a different kind mm. of swell. Nothing wrong or right about just a different style. But for all this time, De Jong has had to play either as like a double pivot or as an eight. And he's had to play out of sorts, out of position against the, you know, within the team that doesn't really suit his strengths. And in that time, he's been bypassed as an eight by players for whom an eight is a more natural position. And Busquets is still playing brilliantly. He's still brilliant. I don't know if it happens with Barcelona. I think if Arsenal dangled some serious money at them, and by serious, I mean like 50 million euros, mm. I think they'd sell. Okay, Holly Balin, do you think that Felipe Coutinho going to Villa on loan will benefit both parties? Oh yes, I love it. What's not to like? Steven Gerrard gets more creativity, um, building on that firm defensive base he's built there. I love the move for Coutinho because he's reuniting with someone who greatly admires him. I love the move for him as well because it just takes away the scrutiny of being at Barcelona, being such an expensive signing for them and it's a fresh start. And allows Barcelona's forward players to express themselves a little bit more. Um, mm. Ansu Fati just came back and is looking, well, he's the, the boy king at Barcelona. The chosen one. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Like, Ansu Fati is the get out of jail card that Barcelona had been missing. That's how good he is. He's simply that, I think he's still, he's still underrated. Um, mm. They were talking in the commentary about, ah, oh, you know, Leo Messi, he's gone. You only get one of those every generation. Well, you only get one Anasu Fati every generation. You really do. Like this, this player is genuinely fearless. You know, I, I'd like to think as an urban myth, the first time he put the number 10 shirt, he probably just giggled and like, oh, wow, look at this. I'm wearing a number 10 shirt. Like, <laughs> Ansu Fati putting on the number 10 shirt is like someone lifting up, was it Mjolnir, that hammer, like Thor's hammer. It's like that. Very, there are some footballers that couldn't even pick that up in the dressing room, I'm pretty sure. And it's just like, oh, yeah, imagine like 10. actually when, when, when the, they're, they're looking around and the number 10 shirt's up for grabs. Martin Brathwaite is like, I love it, I love it. <laughs> it doesn't happen. Uh, <laughs> Someone else is just like, like Aguero maybe or something, I don't know. He's like, I'll have it, I'll have it, I'll have it. And it's just not happening. Yeah, exactly. It has to come to you. And all of a sudden the, the shirt just starts to wobble on the floor and everyone's just like, what the <laughs> fuck is happening? And it just flies past everyone in the dressing room and just hits Ansu Fati on the head. So it's just like poof, covered Ansu Fati's head. And then all of a sudden, for some reason, this video has been posted online and there's just a reaction of a load of people in a theatre watching it being like, oh shit, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> and Ansu's just like, he's got the shirt over his face. Barca, vamos. And that's the cut. There you go, some Barcelona fan fiction for you, everyone. I love that so much. Marvel Studios crossover. We love to see it. Listen, Marvel, Give us our own what if animation series. <laughs> yes, you should. <laughs> Football is superheroes. All right, let's do some more January transfer questions. Let's do it. Barry Brudney says, people often downplay January transfers given limited time to mesh with the squad. Who is the best trans January transfer that both of you can remember? Did Agadavis join Barcelona in the mid-season? Uh, yeah, he went on loan in January. That's the one. That is the all-time great January move. Is that 0405? 0-3-0-4. 0-3-0-4, 0-3-0-4, yeah. That's the one. Egadavis in January, like he really galvanized them. 
because they were like struggling until he got there and they went on a run after that. So that would be the one I think. Interesting. I'd go for Jose Antonio Reyes. That was the Invincible season. That's the only time I've seen, yeah, yeah. So I've mentioned that a thousand times. The only time that Henri ever looked concerned. <laughs> he really, really kick-started Arsenal again. He and gave was. Arsenal a big impetus and in that, that incredible season. Incredible footballer. Massively overlooked part of the Invincible squad because he only came in in that second half of the season. But he was integral to that, that side. If he'd had a settled team for the sustained part of his career, like his absolute peak, because he won a lot after his peak, but if he'd had a sustained starting spot in a settled team, at his peak, I think he would have put a couple of records out of sight. But mm-hmm. he was an abs- there's that incredible stat I always talk about with Reyes is that I think for two months after he left the Spanish league, he was still the most foul player in the league. Mm-hmm. Like he was absolutely, I remember just hearing about him and, you know, this guy with this unbelievable dribbling style and um, he was beating players just, you know, for fun. And you, you hear these stories. And then I saw him and I thought, my God, it was the directness of it the way he just cut to space, the way that he, he was fearless and he finished. He was, he was a winger that finished actually in many ways, a kind of forerunner of the kind of wide forwards we see now, like a winger who finished with the absolute certainty of a number nine. Mm. Uh, one more transfer question. Oli Glanville says, on Adamus Traore, pick a team, any team, if he is to leave Wolves. I've got, <laughs> I just saw this earlier and thought, oh my goodness, exactly where I want him to go. Can I be honest with you? Go on. Real Madrid, actually. Sorry, what? Real Madrid. Adama Troy to Real Madrid. Do you know why? Sorry. Because what, a tra- as a transfer move? Yeah. Yeah, you're Real Madrid. Do you know why I say this? Because I saw, I mentioned this specifically because I saw Barcelev on Twitter saying how Mbappe, Holland, um, Vinicius might not work well as a front three in terms of like in defence. But Adame Traore's defense, defensive work is really strong in the right system. Plus Real Madrid is the kind of front, front line where they kind of let you get on with it, right? They kind of, they are relying on people to just initiate and just force the pace. So his, the things that his strengths are best, like just taking men on fearlessly, whatever, I think that he'd combine really well with Benzema and um, Vinicius. I think he'd be an absolute nightmare. Because I think they're unselfish enough, they'd all supply each other. So I think that Adama Troy at Real Madrid, especially overlapping with someone like Alaba, would be terrifying. I'd love to see him at Real. There's a hot take for you. That's really interesting. Do you know what I mean? As a fit, as a specific fit with Real Madrid, given that they just, because if you think of the front, Adama Troy and what he represents, right? He's basically kind of like a DIY forward. Where you're like, you know what, Adama, I'm Ancelotti. I don't really care how it looks. Just get the job done. Just work it out. Work out the chemistry. Not that he doesn't, not, he's not a vibes coach, but he really does give, he defers a lot to his attackers, which is why playmakers have such, such a good time under Ancelotti. It's why you saw the best form from James Rodriguez under him because he gives you so much freedom. And if you gave Adama Torre freedom in an elite team that was possession heavy, I think he would absolutely thrive if he go to a new level. He hasn't really had that, I think, at his, in his pomp. He's been in like counter-attacking teams, teams that play on the break. He's like, oh, like he's off doing his dribbling thing, but he's not often given what we might call air support. At Real, he gets that. And I think he thrives. Uh, See, my shout was going to be Roma. Listen, here's the thing. Any attacking player that wants a bit of freedom will do well at Roma. Great shout. Also, Atalanta too. Atalanta too. He'd be Mm. brilliant, Atalanta, I think. 
Yeah, I don't know. I think that I think stylistically it fits a little bit more at Roma because I think Atalanta are a little bit too fluid. Oh, and like he's like he's quite possession heavy. You think as opposed to yeah, that he has a skill set that you yeah, think yeah. have to maximise in order to get the maximum out of him. Yeah, he's not a plug and play player. I don't think. No, 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 no. He's like here's the final third. Here's what the other yeah. two are already doing, and here's your third. Go at it. That's yeah. it. I don't. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I'm yeah. not sure it would really fit at Atalanta. I think he'd fit in Real Madrid. I think he'd fit as an impact sub. I don't think he'd get anywhere near that starting eleven. I think he would. You know. No, I don't. Because I, I don't think they've worked out the third player in that attack yet properly. I don't think that chemistry's right. I don't think it's right because they bring in like Asensio and you know Asensio's in and out. Obviously, Isco's fallen off the map. I don't think they've quite got that third player worked out. I kind of agree. But I don't think he's it. I mean, I, I think Jadon Sancho's it, but who, listen, who am I? Arsenal should be on the phone being like, do you want Nicola Pepe, 50 million? He's great on the right hand <laughs> side. <laughs> 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 I like Nicola Pepe as well, but he's just not, he's not playing for Arsenal, is he really? No, no, he's not. Great. Let's do a couple of quick ones. Joel Hins, will you be watching any of the Winter Olympics? And if so, which events? The cold ones. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> Winter Olympics. What do I normally watch? Um, Curling's my jam, man. Curling's fun. The ice hockey's always fun. Curling is a vibe. It is a vibe. Genuinely, uh, the last Winter Olympics, or was it the one before? I think it was the one before, actually. 2014. A couple of friends of mine were like, there's a curling club in like Rochdale or something like that. Should we go and join? We're very near. It was somewhere like Rochdale. It was somewhere nearby. Yeah. And... Uh, very nearly embarked in a, a bit of curling in my own time. Oh, great fun. I mean, one thing I enjoy watching, I could never possibly compete in myself, um, skiing of any nature, but is the, the ski jump is often fun. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, Germans love a ski jump though as well, don't they? Like it's always like a Sunday or Saturday or Sunday sports show on, on one of the main ter- terrestrial channels in Germany. There's always ski jumping. There's just some ski meet going on somewhere in Austria or Germany or Switzerland and it's always on TV. Always. God. In fact, if I, got, I think, if I think, yeah. if they did like a minutes per genre audit of German TV, I I would gamble. I'm not a gambling man, but if I did gamble, I would put some money on ski jumping occupying more God. time than anything. Because skiing is such a cool sport to be good at. Like, I've never done any of it, but it would be such a cool thing to be good at. I would have thought. Oh, bobsleigh! Of course, I'm going to watch the bobsleigh. Goodness skeleton. The skeleton is the, is because that just looks fucking terrifying. Absolutely. Why? <laughs> confession, confession. Watching the Winter Olympics, I look and go, wow, these Europeans like really dangerous sports. Like, this, is, yeah. this is really dangerous stuff. It's almost like they're doing it just to feel something. <laughs> to feel something. <laughs> existential Olympics, not the Winter Olympics. There you go. The Winter Olympics as a whole thing is existential. It's the most existential sporting gathering in the world. Absolutely. <laughs> um, all right. One final question and then let's get out of here. Let's do it. This could be the end of Stadio, you know. Oh my goodness. Here we go. Killian Shields. What's the biggest differing of football opinion between Musa and Ryan? Is there anything major or is it just largely same page harmonic vibes? Uh, do we come across as largely harmonic? Maybe you cut all the hot takes. Um, yeah, the thing, the, one of the things that's really interesting is that everyone says, oh, a lot of the reviews and stuff say like they mention our friendship and they don't realise that like 
Moose and I can't stand each other. <laughs> we, we can barely be in the same room. Sadly, it's like Teddy Schilling and Andy Cole. Don't speak between podcasts. We actually don't do this live. We actually each record overdubs. We can't be in the same we room. Actually, we, enter, we enter the podcast via different entrances and we leave via different exits. Yeah. This is very much a podcast of convenience. Musa is very much muted on WhatsApp. Exactly. What? And Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> what, do we, what do we actually... What? <laughs> I can believe that. Can you imagine I can believe if we actually... Can you imagually if we actually genuinely hated each other? That would be quite funny. No, oh actually, God. no, I wouldn't. What am I talking about? It'd be horrible. No, I Terrible. like that we're friends. Thanks. Yeah, the worst thing is people would listen to that. That's probably how <laughs> they'd listen. No, I don't think they would. I think, I think, I think people actually, if if we really fell out, oh my goodness, awful. I think people would be like, guys, oh no. what are you doing? No, no, guys, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, to be honest, I think that Adama Traore thing is probably as close or as wide as a disagreement as we've had for a while. We had a disagreement was a, a few dozen episodes ago about, what was it? it was it about a style of play or build up? I can't remember what it was. We disagree sometimes on tactical yeah, we do. stuff, but we I think do, that's we completely do ta- normal. We do on tactical stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Just how about, yes, how about yesterday when we were talking, <laughs> we were talking about Chavi and I was really excited. Oh, look at Chavi explaining. You're like, yeah, that's quite basic. Oh shit. Yeah. No, <laughs> you know what? I felt really, I felt really bad about that afterwards. <laughs> I felt really bad about this. Should we recall that story? Yeah, when I was really excited. Was- <laughs> shall we do it? Shall we do it to, to get? Yeah. All right. So, yes. so this is when we were we were we were having coffee. Yeah. Yeah. So we were talking about um, <laughs> we're talking oh, about I've, like yeah. how Chavi was explaining what you know um how he liked to supply the different members of the Bar- that great Barcelona team, and how he was like going. Yeah, when I passed to this player, I put top spin on it. When I passed to that player, there's no spin. That guy, this is that. And I was like, wow, that was really impressive. I explained it. Ryan was like, no, that's really basic. <laughs> you're, totally, you're totally right. For clarity, it is super impressive. And that's the thing. But I think that like Moose was saying, you know, oh, so-and-so like Iniesta doesn't want any, any, he doesn't want it in front of him. He wants it to feet, no curl, no spin, no nothing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this person wants it a little bit in front of them because they want to run onto the ball. And I was just like, yeah, but I, I said, I think that's, obviously that is impressive, but for a footballer of, um, a central midfielder of Javi's level, that is basic. Because that's that calm, is that's stuff, calm to him. Yeah. That is the stuff that, to be a good central midfielder at any level of the game, Yes. Organised football, that is. You have to take these things into consideration. If you don't do that, then that doesn't make you a good central midfielder. Like, there, I remember, I'm, we were talking about it, I was saying that there was a guy, I hate, I, I hate hearing the words come out of my mouth when we do it, but even at the level that we play that, right? Yes, yes, yes. I was saying that, because I used to play central midfield, and I was just like, there is a, there is a guy that I know, if I don't give him the ball... Mm. because nine times out of 10, he's not really in the right position to do it. There's a better option. Even if I don't give him the ball, I have to acknowledge his option. His, his, yes. So yes, I, yes. I play the ball and I turn around and I'm like, thumbs up kind of thing. Like, sorry. So they've, they've been acknowledged because if I don't acknowledge them, they're going to get really stroppy and they're actually going to kick off around the hour mark. So that's happening. Right. And yeah. I know that for the right back, I have to say, move five yards up before I even consider giving them the ball. So I might have the ball in midfield, there might be someone closing me down and I know that the right back is the option because we've got an overload on the right hand side and our central striker isn't high enough up the pitch yet to be dangerous. So I have to shift the right back five, 10 yards up the pitch 
maybe knock the ball two yards in front of him to en- to almost give him a trigger to f- go forward and then we might actually be able to do it. So for Javi to be saying like, oh, this person wants this or Messi wants this or Wilson wants this, for me, it's kind of like, I should fucking hope so. Because like, he's one of the greatest midfielders what of they, all time. If he did an interview and was just like, do you know what? Like, I never really thought about who was, I was just going to the ball to. I was just like, whatever. It'd be like, you know, uh, watching F1 drivers. Yeah. They're yeah. making alterations on brake balance around on the steering wheel whilst going at like 150 mile an hour around a corner at various points in the lap. And they have to remember all of this stuff. If it came out that actually they didn't have to change gear it was all automatic and all the settings were bogus and all they did was just put the foot down and break. I'd be like, you're saying they're driving off of pure vibes, driving off pure vibes. <laughs> and it's funny because actually after our conversation, I went and went and had a look at Chavis because I wanted to look at this for the peak of football, which was mm. the 2011 Champions League final. I actually found the stats of it because I'm, mm. I'm obsessed with those stats. And Chavi, um, attempted 148 passes, obviously in 90 minutes. And completed 141. That is that unbelievable. Is astonishing because that is a constant, that is constant Although, calculation. Do you know what, from that era of, what was that? 2011? Yeah, 2011. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Do you know what that was the peak of though? Do you know what was it? It's absolute peak. What's that? The absolutely pointless Barcelona triple one, two. Oh, of course. Do you remember yes. that? I loved it. Oh my God. Yes. The triple one, two. There was a, there's a moment, there's this one they do when they're playing away from home in La Liga in the kind of like this, those mint shirts. Iniesta gives it to like two different players, plays a one-two, gets it, collects it. And at that point, there's like six Barcelona players almost in a kind of rondo position. Yeah, yeah. And the opposition just exhausted. They're just like, what is the point? Yeah. What is the... But yeah, so and that's, that's, that's why, I, for clarity, there is no way in hell I was a remotely particularly good footballer. But like... He was I'm saying that I think that it was, was it, for the for was. the for the for Javi. Yes, that's like it's, that's it's how do I explain it? It's kind of like it's impressive for the short work, but this is the, this is for one of the greatest midfielders of all time. Yes, that's what they're thinking of. Exactly, it's like it's like work. The thing that frustrates me about this is that people don't consider this when they critique players like that. Yes, because to me that should be the norm. That shouldn't be impressive to a load of people. People would be like thinking about that in that depth at that level of the game against that level of, of opposition over that amount of time and still coming out as being one of the greatest midfielders of all time is unbelievable. Yeah, exactly. But people don't talk about it enough. People are just like, oh, he couldn't tackle. It's like, no, I actually could tackle. Yeah, I still genuinely think Javi is an underrated midfielder. I think so. And that's how good he was. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So anyway, to answer your question. Your question, Killian. We don't really have that many. We no, don't have we don't. that many. And if we do, it's usually very small things. Yeah. And that's the fun of it as well. That's the fun of football. Oh, so it? that's fine. Different opinions. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We both agree the anxiety exists and the suffering is necessary. Yeah, see, I'm not so sold on the suffering is necessary. I think you enjoy <laughs> it. I'm just like, I just want a fucking quiet life. <laughs> Should we bounce? Let's do it. Uh, thanks to everyone who submitted questions. Sorry we couldn't get through them all. But um, yeah, we hope everyone's staying safe. Well, getting vaccinated if you can, getting the booster if you can. Uh, don't forget to check Rise House. Don't forget to check theregular.com forward slash soccer. We'll have some more pieces going up soon. Stadio newsletter. Stadio.football scroll to the bottom. Sign up for our newsletter if you'd like. And Stadio Watchers players on Spotify. Speaking of which, we're playing out on Julie Stapleton, the New York mix of Where's Your Love Gone? Anything else you want to add, Moose Conger? No, just that I love that tune that you sent through when I heard it. It's just, it's so good. What's that, like early 90s? 91, man. Oh, 91 beautiful. House. Banger. Sure, yeah, it's nothing you want to pedal? 
been a while. No, no, no. <laughs> Listen, I'm not pushing any conspiracy theories. I believe, like, I, I believe, in, I believe in a robust, mature democracy, and I don't want to undermine the rule of law in any way. So, no hot takes for now. All good. Boo. Boo. <laughs> 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 uh, much love, everyone. Have a lovely weekend, and we'll be back on Monday. See ya. Taking on responsibilities I think it's time that we should know what we really need If the love has gone and you don't want to stay Then hey baby, we can go our separate way La 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 I thought the love we had was all so hard to break now I know that it was all give and no take One-sided love affairs is all no good for me I'm a woman and I've got my dignity la la la, la. Everything was going fine When there was really something deep inside your mind Let's sit down and maybe we can work it out There's no need to raise our voices, scream or shout I've come to terms about the way you really feel This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.